having a sip. Very nice. I'm shutting down. I've shut down my window and I closed my window um, because we've got builders next door. So if I start getting hot and sweaty um, during the making of this movie, uh, then um, I could open the window. Okay. But you know what that, that could means, mean? Yeah. Lots of noise. Oh. Um, Which would one, you rather? I, I, oh, I, I, oh we're, we're fine. We can, oh, are we off? Oh, no, are we no, sorry. Uh, let's let let's put no. Yeah, um, wonderful, <laughs> lovely. Um, yes, that that sounds great. Um, I'm not. Uh, the windows are open here. There is no building work going on right now. Which is unusual, bearing in mind actually it's a good day probably to be outside because it's a bit cooler for once after this heat wave. Indeed. <sighs> Have we actually started? Are we are we up and running now? We are. Good morning. Good uh-huh. afternoon. Good morning. Good, good evening. afternoon. Good, good overnight. Good evening. Good overnight. <laughs> we haven't done it that way before, have we? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Anthony Price. He's, he's Jonathan Bradley. <laughs> and he is Anthony Price. Ah, and, and a homeowner. And a, uh, yeah. Hey, yes. Good news, listeners. Ant is now back. On the property ladder. What do I talk slipping about? slipping off. What do I talk what? about? What do I talk about now? Well, I don't know. I don't know. What are, beards, sheds, dogs. Ooh, yeah, sheds and dogs. People, business. Yeah. I need the to winds st- of change. Oh, Scorpion, 92. Oh, yes. Don't start singing. Okay, I won't. I There's promise. a dear. Yeah, I'll, p- I'll perhaps we play it on the outro at the end. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, everything good in your neck of the woods? Uh, yes, actually, uh, I, I'm looking out into my garden and I can see my shed with its roof on and I, I couldn't do the, the, um, session from it today because I've got an electrician coming in and there are wires everywhere and it's a complete mess and I probably would have tripped over everything and it would have been a disaster. So I'm not in the shed today, but hopefully the next time I will be. And it's all very exciting. So, I, yeah, it's shed related. I would have done this, this recording from the new house, but we have no internet there, which is required for you and me to connect together in this remote working world. So uh, we are both, both of us, in massive transition. <gasps> change. Are we? We're, on, we're on the cusp. We are. We're on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Um, and although I think my, my levels of certainty are increasing, which is good at the minute. So, you know. That is good news. So, dear listeners, um, I, I have a, a, a sad bit of news for you that this week we have no listener questions. So maybe it's the time Ooh. of year. Um, downloads were down last week by 15% on the previous. Um, and I don't think that's a suggestion that the format's poor because we have had some good comments on the wonderfulness of the format, which is great. So we are sticking with the format, but please come back from vacation. I know you're all stuck at home and doing a staycation, um, but, um, you know, we value your questions. So please do submit your questions, globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com um, or find us on LinkedIn. You can find, and actually, oh, by the way, we have had a, an influx of new followers. We had seven new followers in the last week. So we're now at the grand total of 13. And if we can continue that trajectory, it should be good news all round. Does a follower necessarily transition into an actual listener? <clears throat> I think it's the other way around. I think the listeners are making a point of following the LinkedIn page. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe the, the followers can tell us. But if they're not listening to the podcast, they won't tell us. <laughs> well, that's it. that's true. So if we've, if we've dropped uh, that many listeners, are we back down to one now? Um, we are in, I can safe to say, not in single or double. or well, the, Last week it was in, it, there was three digits. So, yeah, but not for right. where it would normally okay. be. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'd still, do you know, I'd still do this, even if we only had one listener. Yeah, well, Christabel, if you're listening this week, 
thanks so <laughs> That's much. That's my wife, by the way. <laughs> for tuning in. My wife doesn't even bother listening. She says, no, I'm listening to you too. You're kidding. That's terrible. Only because, JB, um, I end up getting jealous because she loves the sound of your voice. You know, she goes, oh, JB. Uh-huh. Don't say her name, please. It just, it'll push her over the edge. Okay, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what just popped into my mind. I'm okay. going to just keep this clean today. Lovely. So, um, as you may have gathered from last week's episode, we have changed the style of these podcasts to instead of being a single topic, uh, me and JB bring four articles or subjects between us to each to kick around, typically for ten minutes each, and then we'll add in um, some listener questions at the end if you can be bothered to get involved. Um, and that's the the simple format of it. Um, and I have two articles, and JB has two articles. And now I beg the question, JB, who would like to share their first article first? I'm actually quite excited about your article, and in fact, I'm quite jealous. Oh. I th- think I think you've played a little bit of a blinder wow. uh, with yours. I'm just going to get it up on my screen so I can see it using all the technological um, gifts no that I have. Okay. Uh, so, it won't take long. So there some, we are. Some, yeah, I'm there. Some context whilst JB brings up the image on his browser. Um, I actually brought this up at a team call I was running this week for my team that I have. Um, and it's that time of year, isn't it, where I guess some organisations would have done traditional mid-year reviews um, and they would um, want some of those mid-year reviews would be productive enough to then encourage a career conversation with individuals. So this article um, that I found, actually I shared in this meeting, which is all about career conversations with employees. And it's uh, from a website called um, fellow.app, an article by Manuela Barcenas. And essentially some really good questions and tips for managers to have with their their direct reports. So some colour to this, and it does feed into my next second article, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, um, is that I often think that as leaders, we neglect the future ambitions of our people. This article talks about the fact that um, quite often we are great at planning the weekends, um, Christmas, um, vacations, um, our life plans in terms of settling down, having children or buying a house, as I've just done. Yet we don't necessarily, outside of that really awkward secondary school conversation with one of your teachers has only ever been a teacher about your aspirations for the future or a computer program says you're going to be a very successful um, you know, actor, despite the fact you've never acted. Um, it's It's something that we neglect to revisit on a frequent basis. So for me, this article was really powerful because it allowed me to pose some questions to my people about, uh, so I asked them initially what their, um, before, and this is before I got into the article, um, I asked them at 15 years old what they wanted to be. Um, and we, we had a bit of a laugh about that and we compared where they were at. And the only one, there's only one person in my team that had reached his aspirations because he wanted to be a teacher. And obviously working in L&D function, that's about pretty much as close as he could get. I then asked them the second question, 10 years from now, which is in this article, describe your perfect job, but put it in the lens of four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon in this perfect job, what would you be doing? So you're running down towards the weekend, it's towards the end of the day. If it's been a heavy going week, 
what's going to keep your energy levels up and what does this perfect job look like 10 years from now and I thought it was a great way to frame the fact that 10 years from now is still probably in a modern world three or four jobs away um, and therefore do we neglect the intermediate jobs in order to get there um, or do we potentially focus so solely on the 10-year plan we don't focus on the skills that we need to develop in other roles to in order to get there and for me this article is really interesting because it talks all about the competencies that you really enjoy using in your current job versus the things that you're not particularly good at in your current job and what does that say about the skills that you don't currently have and the point I put when I read this article out to my team, I only read pockets of it as I'm, I'm kind of dipping in and out here now, is that have you revisited that 10-year vision based on the competencies that you feel that you want to have for that job versus what you enjoy doing? Because the last thing I want to do is to allow an individual to sleepwalk into a job that they believe they want to have in 10 years, but actually... When they get there, it's bloody miserable, and now it's too late to change track. I I think that's brilliant, Ant. And a, a question I want to ask is, when you were 15, mm. what did you want to be when you were big? An uh, bigger. Can I get much bigger question? That's, <laughs> the lockdown weight has piled on. Um, I wanted to be an airline pilot. What about you? Oh, uh, well, I wanted to be an actor. Ah. Oh. Well, you, and you've succeeded and, and funny enough one of the team wanted to be an actor um really yep gosh and uh, and i and i and i think actually the funny thing is that i think you and i would agree with this that being a leader does require a credibility of acting sometimes yes well i think i i it's a stream in my life that has never 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 gone away i work with actors now and sometimes I perform with them and when I was 15 I actually did quite a lot of amateur dramatics and stuff like that and so I'm not afraid to get on a stage and make mm. a complete horlicks or a complete fool of myself I'm, I'm very comfortable at doing that and I enjoy that uh, I enjoy that performance and I think you're right you know it is it's actually understanding uh, that you, you know you can perform and you can you can improve that performance uh, by working on it. The, the 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 thing I liked in that article and that you sent over was a little uh, thing. And maybe you were going to go on to it, but it, it says uh, employees used to expect to work for a boss. Now they're looking for a coach, says a recent study by Gallup, because they don't just want to be satisfied with their role or their job. Your employees want personal and professional development immediately and for the future, which I think is a perfect fit with what you just talked about. Mm. And I I talk with my clients a lot about, a, you know, a distant shore and navigating yourself towards that distant shore. It might seem like a dream. It might even seem like a fantasy. Uh, but, you know, if you've got that idea, I, I think, you know, your younger self of being an, an airline pilot, I'm sure uh, that there are aspects of your job that you could um, look at 
and say, actually, you know, I'm not a million miles away from, from flying this plane without any wings. Let's be honest, JB. I think the true talent that I would have brought to being an airline pilot today is getting on the Tannoy system saying, so we we're driving at, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, flying at uh, 36,000 feet. And um, please keep your arms inside the vehicle. Scream if you want to go faster. Um, well, I, it's, it's interesting, actually, uh, my friend, that you do use quite a lot of aeronautical uh, analogies and metaphors and so obviously you get quite excited uh, about that and and uh, I, I must tell the listeners actually that if you get on any plane with Ant he will know probably when the plane was built uh, what engines it's got uh, what its name is and probably who the pilots are so he's still got it in him. Apart from the last one, you are absolutely spot on. And I do love a Pratt & Whitney engine, by the way, if you're, if anyone's listening from that organisation. yeah. I thought they made printers. Um, no. I know that's Hewlett-Packard. Yes, yes. Close. <laughs> um, I mean, if, if there was a printer on the side of the wing, I would be a little nervous. Um, yeah, anyway. No, no, you're, you're right. Um, but it's, it's. I mean, so that, by the way, just, just to embellish my own, um, my, myself for one moment, um, the only reason I did it is I was in the cadets at 15 and I got to fly a plane and was like, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But um, what I think this article is very good at through the questions it offers um, is it makes people really reflect on the bits of their current role that they enjoy. And I would argue that you and I didn't at 15 even envisage we would be sat on this podcast right now, first of all. Um, I used to record radio programs actually at 12 years old for my neighbours, but that's by the by. But um, there were certain points in my career where if you look on paper, my career seems really weird. You know, I went from broadcasting into sales and then into training and, and trying to explain that to a recruiter or a headhunter because they're fascinated about how it happened. The, the, it's, it's all about the competencies that I really enjoyed doing about the job. What we get to do in L&D is broadcast. Um, and actually, I loved being on air. And one of the skills I had when I was on air is being passionate about a subject. So selling radio for me was great. I was being, I was broadcasting to clients in a face-to-face -face setting with my laptop and getting them excited about something. And it was all about the communication skills. So for me, um, I've, I guess, been drawn towards roles that have allowed me to practice communication skills better. And ironically, the way the world is going with remote working now, we are spending... 80% of our lives broadcasting in a very similar way to a radio studio. We're in a room um, with a computer and we're talking into a microphone and we're being listened to, uh, sometimes with a camera, sometimes with not. But but there we go. I sometimes bang on about Irving Goffman and a book, a book that he uh, wrote many years ago uh, called The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. I sort of nicked it and um, called it the presentation of self in everyday life at work mm. uh, because it is about uh, the way that you communicate, the way you collaborate, what you give off uh, when you walk onto that imaginary stage. And I think a lot of people miss that, miss that opportunity to really just imagine themselves uh, and their performance, not, not just their performance in terms of delivering tasks and objectives, but but what's their actual performance like if if they if they are viewed from afar? Mm. What are you seeing? And actually, how does that fit uh, with that ten year plan of you performing that in year one, year five? 
are you looking like what you actually wanted to look like? And when you're 15 or 14 or 13, you know, you can be quite naive about that picture. And sometimes that's brutally taken out of us uh, on our progression out of school, into university, into work. We kind of lose that playfulness and um, creativity about how, how we want to see ourselves. Yeah, I'm wearing a suit. I'm looking really cool. And I, I go into the car park and I pick up my BMW and then I go off and uh, get a large McDonald's. That's not my life, by the way, just in case you no. thought that's what I do. No, he drives a Range um, Rover, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I think I think that is um, a, a really good thing, and I've been picking up that that thing about communication. I mean, we, we I guess we'll let the listeners decide, but I think you know we do actually have the ability to communicate uh, important information and things that we need to get across, and it is increasingly a demand uh, of managers and leaders in the workplace, particularly because uh, of remote working. And, you know, being being flexible, talking to a diverse audience, um, probably at home, surrounded by dogs and cats and, and gerbils and and children. I didn't mean to do it in that order, but <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do think children have a higher, can we, a higher can we, can we, hierarchy. Can we clip that clip and then have it, you know, JB, uh, executive leader and a grandparent in the making? <laughs> oh dear hope it doesn't come out my 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 granddaughter who is on her way and um she is uh, 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 going to arrive in uh, mid-october which is quite exciting very exciting so anyway to summarize ladies and gents um if you can look up this article which is entitled career conversations with employees questions and tips for managers it's on an, a web app called fellow <clears throat> um, all about the importance of career conversations uh, why they're important um, how they foster self-awareness of the individual and the individual in the context of the workplace um, how it helps you develop positive conversations and relationships with your team not just about the competencies of their job and the importance of asking them a good set of questions it's a great article nice and um, easy actually for you to even include in some future team calls if you dare Shall I pull up one of mine? Please. And Jake, listeners, uh, this is exciting because the same time as you're hearing it, I'm also hearing it because uh, JB decided to print his articles um, to give give me an air of mystery. Ah, and it probably I've just realised that's not very environmentally friendly, is it? Um, so mm, you print you print you printed it on leaves, used leaves from the garden. Let's let's let the listener believe that. Leave it there. Like yes. it. Leave it there. Well, I was um, drawn to uh, a little piece uh, in the HR Daily. Uh, it's called SHRM, Better Workplaces, Better World. Ooh. And so this is a, a little piece by Charlene Lorby, uh, written in August. And I was, I was particularly drawn to it because uh, it's five talent management trends and the HR skills they require. But there are some quite little, they're quite interesting little points in here. So um, trend number one, organisations want to see a more diverse slate of candidates for every position. And the thing I'm quite interested about that point is over the recent months, we have celebrated the unskilled workforce. True or false? And? True. 
Can you pay attention, please? I'm trying to find the article. <laughs> I'm trying to find the article on my computer. Um, and the interesting thing about that is this forgotten part of our economy, this this forgotten part of our workforce, has been celebrated uh, enormously. And in the UK, actually, uh, they received claps every Thursday. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure things like that happened around the world. They were recognised. Uh, they were brought into focus for their talents and the great things that they do. So, uh, I think this first point actually recognises the need to rethink uh, the way we look at what what I is. I don't necessarily like the term unskilled workforce. No. But uh, what's interesting about that is let's go and get them inside our organizations and skill them up because you know if they've got the attitude and they've got the will but they might not necessarily have all the qualifications yet uh, let's put them in our diverse workforce uh, is is one of the points in that first point um, and th- the other point is about holding ourselves to account uh, for our, our, our diversity and, and the benefit that that brings. There is another element, of course, uh, which is that we go into this uh, remote working and flexible working uh, arena with all of this diversity going on as well. We need to tune up our managers to deal with that uh, much more effectively. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a lot of change uh, and skilling uh, to be done around just that point. Uh, companies need to shift towards skilling, upskilling and reskilling, uh, which I think is a, a, a lovely point. Um, and, uh, and you're going to say uh, something there? Yeah, uh, it's, um, it feeds very much nicely into the narrative of a recent PwC study of CEOs. And there is an anxiety that CEOs that were surveyed a year ago um, that are resurveyed again in the last few months, just before COVID, actually. So it's still not necessarily COVID um, specific. But what has been spoken about over the last couple of years is the digital transformation of working, as in, you know, the the the, the fourth industrial revolution. And CEOs' biggest anxiety is the lack of readiness of people. And actually, L and D functions. And I talk personally about this. You know, my function is probably sixty percent soft skills. And I suspect it needs to. It, we need to really beef up um, skilling, upskilling, reskilling towards digital working because the readiness of employees for this fourth industrial revolution is clearly an anxiety of CEOs. Because if we don't upskill our people, then our competitors are probably going to be doing it. Well, so that's a perfect opportunity to, to, for me to segue mm. into the next part of this, which is, um, this is from Jenny Stone in the same article. Um, she's a partner and human resources director at HR Shield. And she says the key to, to achieving success will be flexibility. And uh, this is where I think the segue happens to what you were just saying. Um, step one is getting a clear view of your organization's talents ecosystem. And to me, what that means is the relationship between relationships. 
you know, those sort of bubbles that go on around organizations uh, that, that are not necessarily seen or heard, but they are the relationships between relationships, um, such as technologies, agile processes, and systems and ways of working that enable greater connectivity and trying to get people out of stagnant roles. And I, I, I think that's kind of pretty, pretty germane uh, to where things are in terms of skilling, upskilling and reskilling our workforces. Are we, are, are we on this uh, as organizations as much as we should do? Um, another point was about employee benefits, um, which kind of goes without saying, unless you feel and there is something um, important that you feel needs to be said about that. No. Okay. Uh, managers must learn how to effectively manage a remote workforce. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we know about that. And one of the key components uh, is leadership training and development, particularly around communication and collaboration and I back to back to communication yeah uh, and i think this is where we are sensing in organizations i'm talking to you right now where there is the biggest risk um employees mental health i think we've talked about it on previous episodes um and those legacy managers unfortunately that were used to micromanaging and 50 percent of performance management for them was seeing the person in office between nine and five and that was tick job done. What they were doing, irrelevant, but I can keep control of them here. Yeah, they're working because I can see them working. Yeah. Um, and I I really think this is a genuine opportunity for those dinosaur managers to recognise that now we're five months into this new world order that your people are performing still and they don't need you spying. And think about what that does for you as individuals to free up your thinking. You don't have to sit and watch them anymore. Um, and now what you need to do is utilize that spare time to upskill yourself on how to manage these people more successfully. Focus on their potential. Focus on their performance. Don't focus on the process. Um, so I, I think that that trend is absolutely on the money. So, uh, you know, if if we are expecting others uh, to, to get their heads around that ecosystem uh, of, of technology systems uh, and deal with that also... Uh, to communicate and collaborate effectively, to work on your own abilities and agility, um, more to the point. <clears throat> well, if that's what you're expecting of all your people, uh, then the presentation of you needs to be uh, as good, if not better. Mm. So I think there's quite a lot of work for us all in that area. And, uh, you know, I think I think there will probably be a boom in the industry of leadership development around virtual working flexibility um, in the in the workforce. I would agree with you, definitely. Really, how did you find this article, by the way? Because again, these are new sites that I've not heard of before. I hadn't either, and this is very good, isn't it? That we're being pushed into to areas that we don't normally get into. Mm. So it's good. Um, well, the answer to that, and is is without going back onto my computer and doing loads of nerdy stuff. Stumbling. I can't. I, I can't actually tell you. But straight after this show, uh, I will go and do that and send you the article. Oh no, I've got it. SHRM.org. Um, I went That's on there it. and I clicked on HR Today, which is one of the tabs, and it was there in the HR news. There you go. I've navigated people to go and find that full article. You see, that's because you are a millennial, wow. uh, and and I'm an old codger. 
well, a good-looking old codger. Thank you so much. Grandad. Now, up to your uh, second piece, I think, Ant. I think okay. we're at that stage. Yeah, so this one I'm going slightly off-piste because this is a blog post that I have nearly finished writing and I intend to post it on social media to coincide with the release of this podcast. This is your own work? Yeah. And this... You dark horse. This is going to be called The Tenth Box. Now, um... JB and I and many listeners may well be aware of what's called the nine box grid, which is ultimately to allow managers to um, correlate their direct reports on a axis of performance plus potential. And nine box are your highest performers and the highest potential. And depending on which... Um, version of these grids you look at they all have different descriptors but ultimately nine is your superstar one are your underperformers with low potential that you really need to think about why are they still in your business and reporting to you Um, is it that they're in the wrong job or, or whatever else and then there's obviously the other numbers in between now there has been debates in companies that I have been associated with over the last couple of years about these definitions And I am frustrated to announce that I still think there is a box missing, which is why my article will be called The Tenth Box. Um, Because if you imagine three is um, therefore um, uh, low potential high performance. So if you think of it, so one, two, three across the bottom, your vertical axis, sorry, your horizontal axis is performance. So you've actually got some really solid performers that are low potential. And I think too often those people are neglected because actually, well, there's no future potential for them. But, you know, and actually, at least more recently, I've seen much more effort to engage those people you position in the three box, because those people could also be critical to your business. They may not be a CEO in the making, but they are certainly people that if you lose, they're going to give you an almighty headache, which I'm pleased about. A lot of those people used to be put in the five box. So they're kind of they're meeting performance levels. So if three, they're actually an overperformer, but they're low potential. Five is your probably, um, you know, future potential. Maybe um, they're certainly a dedicated player right now and we value them. But again, they're not high potential. So traditionally, a six and eight and a nine, which are your high potential on performance people, your overperformance and super duper potential people, and your six are um, overperforming and medium potential. That's your six, eight, nine. However, there is a tenth box, JB, and this is what my article will talk about. It will re explain the nine box for those that don't understand it. The tenth box are people that have potential in other organizations, but not your own. Oh. And I feel that there are a number of people that are wrongly positioned, probably in the three box, that the business, um, you know, so the tradition of the three box should be those people that are super duper, but have no future ambitions. That's why they're in the three box. Um, Or maybe they do have future ambitions, um, but, you know, it's going to be fly fishing or something else. Or it's these people that have future ambitions to either set up on their own, or they actually don't work in the sector that supports their skills. So for me, the 10th box is a category of people that are either business owners or founders themselves of the future, and also those people that have tons of potential outside your organization, and you recognize the value they add already to your organization, and you don't want to lose them. Because here's the thing, there are too many good people that are high performers 
that are high potential, but because you know there is nowhere else for you to, for them to go in your business, they are left. And what happens is these people end up frustrated, undervalued, underfocused. You can see where I'm going with this, JB. And mm -hmm. in the end, they leave with massive resentment. And actually what you should be doing as an organization and as a leader of those high potential leaders or people, whoever they may be, is thinking about what you can do to support them and their future ambitions, knowing you're going to lose them. But think about the cost of losing them in the next six months, pissed off versus two years time and really valuing the fact that you invested in their future ambitions, despite the fact that they're not ever going to be working for you. But they could be a future supplier of your business and you may want to go and work for them one day. Don't neglect your 10th box people is the point of my post. I think that's enlightened self-interest for an organisation to do that. And, you know, those that don't invest in their talent in that way... And I think those, as you say, you know, people have enormous potential inside organizations, uh, but not necessarily inside that organization at a point. Mm. You know, their, their skills, their abilities and so on uh, would be best served, perhaps um, in a self-employed role or in another organization. To ignore that, to just go la, 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 you know, just leave it alone. I'm not going to touch it. Uh, is really bad for business. It's bad for business and it's bad for your reputation. Uh, we want our organisations to be talent magnets. Mm. Uh, and, you know, if someone gives us good service uh, for four or five years and then we constructively help them uh, to go into another industry uh, or to to fulfil their 10-year their uh, plan of where they, you know, that distant shore that they're trying to get to, Maybe we were one big tack, uh, like a sailing analogy, for them to to kind of get there. So they've they've got their management skills and they put all the effort in to do good work and so on. And we were honest; they were honest all the way through. That would recruit a lot of people uh, into an industry uh, with those ethical standards, that level of honesty and trust. And here's where it gets even more interesting is actually it can do your organization from its own reputation really good as well. Uh, and, and, and one, 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 one um, good example you could talk about here actually is my experience in radio, as is JB's, is that I know um, one Chris Moyles, who is now a, was at one point, you know, the biggest breakfast show presenter on, in the UK, um, had a very successful career, but everybody knew early on in his career, he was going to end up with that gig. You knew his precision ambition. You knew his talent. Uh, and actually, radio stations still went to get him, knowing they were probably going to keep him a year. And I remember Sheila Mallet, who was the managing director of Chilton um, in the 80s and 90s, um, had the opportunity to bring him in for breakfast um, for, I think, six months before he was doing a network show across GWR at the time. Uh, morning, Dirk, if you're listening, by the way. Um, and... Um, she said, well, no, because we're not going to keep him for long enough. So what's the point? I'm going to have to go through a recruitment headache. And a lot of people went, you're, you're mad. He ended up, I think, doing something for Horizon instead. Um, and hey, if Chris Moyles listens, hey. Um, but think about the people you could attract into your business by being a bit more open. We know you've got bigger ambitions than this, but come and work for us for two years. Help us. We'll help you. And my God, what a relationship will be. 
Now, now some companies, by the way, I've been researching offer innovation funds now. So they're high potential people have access to an innovation fund. If they're an entrepreneur, they have an idea and the business don't think it's right to be built within their business as a subsidiary of their business, they will offer either grants, loans or investments for shares in their new startup for their ex-employees. Now that is the sort of company I would want to work for. Now you're cooking, Ant. Mm. That sounds a brilliant business model to me. Um, yeah, then, so, you, then I guess the company end up just an owner of lots of uh, employees, you know, shareholders of other employees' businesses in the future. I mean, it makes sense to me. What a what a lovely idea to diversify your portfolio into mm. all sorts of different uh, areas. Love it, love it, love it, love it. There you making, go. making best use of your ecosystem Ooh. by creating new ones. I've not used ecosystem, I don't think, in any of our podcasts before. So that's a new word no. to add to our um, dictionary. quite exciting, isn't yeah. it? There you go. That's um, my article too, JB. Do you know, I, I think we're segueing off each other uh, quite a lot today, aren't we? Uh, because in the article I want to talk about, uh, in Personnel Today, uh, it's personal today, <laughs> in Personnel Today, uh -oh. is coronavirus the ultimate test in ethical leadership for HR? So I was automatically drawn to that. Um, and the whole point of the article, I'm not going to read any a big part of it because it's too big, but uh, the essence of it is about humanitarian responsibility. And I think that's a very, very, very big number uh, going forward in uh, politics, in uh, organisations, in management, in leadership. Um, and what I like about this article uh, to do with humanitarian responsibility is this question. What stories will be told about your organisation after this? Oh, great question. Corona. And will is that, it is that be... in the lens of looking back, as in yeah, right, okay, yeah. Um, what stories will be told about your organisation after this? Will it be one you're proud of, and one that's counter to your values? Can you stand by that? Uh, this is this is by Dr. Amy Bradley, not related to me, unfortunately. Who knows? Maybe um, she is, and she's the author of um, the Human Moment, um, and a faculty member of. Ashridge. So she's she's pretty serious. Um, and she she looks at Corona uh, with a very interesting eye and thinking, you know, the best and worst uh, of organisations uh, came out during Corona. There are some horrendous stories in the UK. We have a thing called furlough scheme. And there are a large number of organisations that jumped on this furlough scheme. Um, and dare I say it, ripped the arse out of it um, and actually probably screwed up um, their relationship with their customers and uh, if not that, uh, their reputation during Corona. So I think there's some, there's some good guys and some not so good guys. Um, no, to qualify that, good guys and girls. Now I sound like Jimmy Savile. Anyway, I'll stop that now. <laughs> Um, How an article can go very much off topic. <laughs> the, the, and that's um, not ethical leadership either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, actually, well, no, 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 I'm not going there. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, off air, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, the, the key uh, is that leaders 
also share the sacrifice and are seen to. And how many organisations can actually um, tell a story uh, about their organisation that they can be proud of and a story that is true uh, to their values and that they stood by those values I think that's a. I think that's going to be very interesting over the coming months and years, uh, when the tide goes out and we can look at how many people uh, were fondling in the water when they should have been focusing on more important things. Wow, that's a metaphor and a half. <clears throat> I have to say, actually, looking at that article, I've just scanned read it, obviously, because you'd you'd printed it. <clears throat> um, but some of the examples it gives gives already in the article are fascinating um, and. Um, it, there's no secret to mention Weatherspoon's a big UK pub chain and yes. their leaders' behaviour um, as the crisis unfolded all those months ago and what customers have thought of that individual's behaviour since. And I think some of it is misreporting if I'm a little bit defensive of the guy, but I don't think he's got much to stand on if I'm really honest. But you're right. If What do you want as a leader your reputation to be when people look back? And this, is this I think, feeds into things we've mentioned many times before, is what do you want to, your legacy to be? Because the, the leaders that people follow are the ones that deal well in a crisis. We are all great leaders when the sun is shining, when things are good, revenue's coming in, EBITDA is exactly an expectation with the analysts and actually what we're supposed to be doing. Customers love us, renewal rates are high, people love coming to work, the culture's brilliant, the, 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 the drinks and social gatherings are things that we remember forever, we meet friends for life, we meet family. But the leader in a crisis, if they don't cope properly, if they don't behave in a way, if they don't act from JB's acting school in a way that actually people respect, then I think it's it's a huge thing. And I think this article, I'm going to have a good read of it later. So Personnel Today, if you Google Personnel Today, Dr. Bradley, uh, Corona, the result deep link comes up. It's a um, really interesting article from just scan reading it now. Um, but it's it's fascinating that some of the references it makes, incidentally, um, around the types of businesses in which perhaps it's less favorable to versus the ones that are in better positions. Exactly. And I, I think there is a an opportunity post-corona uh, for organizations to care and to be seen to care. And I think that it is an absolute critical element of trust building and high trust teams are high performance teams. And you know, we've got all of the things that we've talked about uh, today in getting your teams into a high performance level, that 10 box territory or nine box or whatever it happens to be. Uh, you know, the, the big thing to hold uh, diverse teams together, virtual teams together, uh, teams in all sorts of different situations is to develop high levels of trust. Uh, high trust equals high performance and leaders uh, who don't think that that is true or don't get it or go blah, 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 blah. Um, really, I would say stop bothering to listen to this podcast. Yeah. 100%. Just stop bothering because, you know, it's what Ant and I passionately believe in. And it is the root of why we do this in the first place, because that's where we want to make a change. Oh, God, I got a bit passionate. You did. You sound a bit like Michael Jackson, man in the mirror, make a change. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
Nice. Well, so in our last podcast, we talked about arousal, didn't we? And in this one, you talked about fiddling underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Another explicit episode um, from the Global Leadership Podcast. <laughs> but I'd so I, I have been talking to a lot of people about, about arousal. And Dirty I don't bastard. know. It's a, do, well, do you know what? It, what's so good about it is that, you know, people sometimes their eyes go a bit twitchy or their eyebrow, eyebrow goes up. Arousal is one of those words that stimulate that kind of, are you serious? You just brought arousal into a serious conversation <laughs> with a serious bunch of execs and so on. And, and actually, yeah, why not? Arousal is, is really, really important uh, because you know, with that distance shore and that 10 year plan, if if we don't get aroused along the way, what's the bloody point? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, what are, what are, what are interesting episodes? We've talked about um, uh, personnel and um, the uh, ethical leadership in sorry, ethical leadership uh, during Corona. We've talked about um, the importance of career conversations in the workplace. Uh, we've talked about the tenth box, which hey, author Anthony Price you get to be posted, so can't even give you an article to that one. Um, and JB, what was your first article again? Hold on a second. It was oh, five talent management trends in HR and the yes. skills they require. That's it. Um, so just to remind you, dear listeners, um, please do submit your questions. Um, we are a short episode this one, actually for two reasons. I'm about to go and run off to my um, new house to let in an electrician, and JB has an electrician this afternoon in his shed. Yeah. Um, but oh, someone started. Is that my side? It's my side. It's you. Yeah, someone's mowing their grass. Annoying. Anyway, what's your plans for the next? Um, anyway, sorry. Send any questions. Globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or find us on LinkedIn. Find the page, like it, follow it, whatever, and contact us from there. And we do love your questions, by the way. It keeps us fresh, keeps us alive, keeps us aroused keeps and ready. And fiddling underwater. That is probably should be left okay um below the surface <laughs> okay well if we find it by fiddling then we'll bring it back out again <laughs> at some point if we're aroused the interest of it um plans for the next uh, week or so mr bradley uh oh uh right okay so uh this is this is a big shed week i just want to explain to the listeners uh, don't think that this is a small little shed uh that has some tools in it by the way but if you think that it's taken me about sort of three months to build a small shed to put my tools in it's not that it is a recording studio and i'm building it with my own fair hands and i'm only bringing in uh, an electrician to help me uh, with some stuff that i dare not touch but uh, it is quite a big it's a it's a bloody big project and it's a challenge uh, for me to get it done but it does fulfill a little bit of a fantasy of mine uh, to record uh, in a shed and um, sell it, basically. I've always liked the idea of putting content together in a shed and, and putting my suit on and going selling it. And it's, you, can, you can take a man out of radio, but you can't take radio out of the man. And so it is, it is my broadcasting studio, so it's quite complicated. So anyway, I'm, I'm building that, finishing that off. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to say that uh, our book is now with the publisher, uh, and yeah, they are now uh, publishing it, so that will be out soon. It is called No Normal, um, and uh, that is uh, that is fine, and we will tell you more about that in the future. So there's a little bit of um, jiggery pokery with design and stuff on that, plus working on a couple of webinars. 
um, plus keeping my wife happy, uh, feeding the dog, um, and um, making sure that I don't go to the Weatherspoons too much. Because <laughs> I've got a little bit of an issue with somebody. But yeah. hey, hey, that's another point. And unfortunately, there we are. You've, that's... Got, you've got the biggest one, haven't you, in the UK, in your doorstep? Well, I have. I have. And do you know what? I, I made allowance. I'm, I'm not a great Weatherspoons fan, to be honest. But uh, it's the most wonderful location. You can look out to France uh, and see Calais, by the way, from the, the deck on this thing. Um, and you look across the other way and you look across um, the Royal Harbour uh, where I live. And it, it is it is absolutely stunning location. Mm. Um, but um, the Weatherspoon uh, way he treated his staff has actually meant there are certain people who I used to go there with who will not anymore. And that's why his reputation is a little bit dicky. And that's what happens when you screw up like that. Yep, yep. Anyway, um, my side, um, I will be shortly be going over to the new house. Um, we have a frantic weekend of electrical work, decorating and new carpets before we move our family in next Thursday. So when I next record with you, Mr. Bradley, I imagine that I should be either doing it from an empty rented house um, inside rather than generally in the conservatory, which is back onto the garden, or I will be doing it from the new house, but probably the former, not the latter. Um, but I look forward to it immensely, of course. Um, and yeah, um, uh, it's going to be a frantic week of moving and how, new house stuff. So that's my week in words. Well, that's um, that's quite big. That's a that's a big life changing moment right there. Yeah. And some very happy memories. I'm sure that you'll build a new new house with um, your lovely kids and everything. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yes, nice house. Anyway, it's um, it's uh, um, uh, been lovely listening to you, everybody. Sorry, listening to you. It's been lovely talking to you. It's been lovely you. listening to you, too, and... You've been lovely, yeah, lovely <laughs> listening to you, JV. We're in um, a listening loop. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Uh, uh, I was about to say goodbye for me. I'm going to go to Ronnie's. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. I've been Anthony Price. And... I've been Jonathan Bradley. It has been a smorgasbord uh, of delicacies, including my, my great friend, Anthony Price. The closing messages are that, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Goodbye.